This is the Living Fearless Today podcast, a show that helps men like you and me who are struggling to get unstuck and overcome fear to live confidently and courageously. I'm your host and transformation coach, Mike Forster, helping you create the change you want now. Join me as I interview men who've conquered their challenges and soared to success as they spill their secrets on how they live fearless today. Well, hello and welcome back, my friend. You're probably going to notice that there's a familiar voice, a familiar face here. And yes, Dr. Craig Farney is back with me this week for part two. Um, we wanted to kind of go deeper. I felt like there was a whole lot we just didn't dive into. I just wanted to get some more background on Craig's journey and his experience and input. I want to make sure that we went deeper into those topics and kind of got more of a breadth of, of insight. Uh, right. Because sometimes what we don't know is what really keeps us hampered. Um, Absolutely. So, Craig, how are you doing this week, my friend? I am doing better. Uh, we talked a little bit about this off air. I'm going what my hope was and what actually is sometimes. And that's okay. It's really the whole thing is, are you progressing? Are you making you know headway in where you want to go to? So, yeah, yeah I'm doing better. Thank you. How are you doing? I'm doing great, man. It's like, I'm just sitting here. I feel, and I'm just keep going back to that phrase you left. It was like, I feel, and, you know, it's, it's okay. It's, it's one of those, Hey, I feel agitated and it's okay. I'm going to continue moving forward and, you know, work through it. But I think that's where the growth comes. Absolutely. Um, The first thing I wanted to touch on, we had talked about, you know, what we say isn't necessarily what someone hears, right? right. So I could say, um, you know, that, that elephant is huge and, you know, you're like going, well, why are you thinking that that elephant is just gigantic and, right. and cumbersome, right? right? You're thinking something totally different or, right. you know, Hey, look, they're, <laughs> they're taking uh remote workers in Italy you know, <laughs> right. <laughs> my, my wife, Kathy could be thinking, why are we moving to Italy? It's like, yeah, what I meant it was just right. a matter of statement. Right. So how, how do we, you know, kind of confirm or ensure that what we said is what was heard by our spouse or, you know, friends, coworkers, even how do we right. double check that? So a uh, couple of things. One is I've learned we all speak a different language. There is, <laughs> there is no one language. There is no English. There are uh, a million different dialects of English, you know, or Spanish or whatever language you speak. It, it's learning to, if I see my wife as speaking a different language, I no different if I wanted to learn Spanish and I don't know it, I would seek somebody that speaks Spanish. So I'm seeking to go, a couple of things I do. One is, when she says something, I go, okay, what is she, is it she's really saying? And then if I'm wanting to make sure she understood what I say, I'm going, well, you either ask, what do you, what did you hear me say? Or what does that mean to you? Or what do you think about that? How does that make you feel? Um, questions like that. It's really just 
and it's important how you ask the question too, because if you, and I think this even gets down to part of what we talk about too, is you're going to emanate an energy and you're going to either emanate an energy of inquisition or a friend of going, Hey, I just really want to understand uh, and make sure we're having clear communication. And the other part, I think in my relationship, we just even talk about and go, uh, we speak a different language. We just, we think differently. um, We feel differently. We believe differently. And so I think start with just acknowledging that it is different. I think we almost expect uh, our spouse or our friend to, that we think they're speaking the same language and they're not. And so I think that's one of the things that helps is just starting from the beginning point of, okay, how do I, if I can learn their language, how do I express what I want to express in terms that makes sense to them? So I think that's part of what I do. Yeah. Duly noted. So I probably shouldn't <laughs> ask my wife, how did you screw that up so bad? That's not at all what I said. Well, yeah. their emotional response will be a good clue towards whether or not they uh, interpreted it the way you wanted to or not. So, yeah, <laughs> like when, when I say something, something uh, along those lines of, uh, you know, how did you not hear me? Something condescending. I'll, yeah. I'll watch for the left hook or the frying pan. Yeah. So you're yeah. talking about a, a question that's, that's actually like a question, <laughs> not right. an accusation. Yeah. So. If you wake up on the floor. <laughs> they didn't hear you right. Well, uh, she may have heard me right, but <laughs> well, yeah, maybe she did. <laughs> she didn't hear what you intended. Yeah, right. <laughs> uh, so, um, speaking of like what's not intended, mm-hmm. you know, we've we've talked about in communication, like what we're saying and what's heard. How about like? when I look at, you know, my wife and I go, this is what I'm expecting of my wife. And this is who she really is and how she behaves. There is, there can be a variance depending upon how, how high my expectations off, you know, they could be totally unrealistic or, you know, just out of scope, but there's a gap, you know, and I'm right. I'm sure that, you know, (laughs) my wife didn't intend on me being who I was when we got married. You know, there was a gap there too. How do we handle the gap between what we envisioned when we got married or, you know, what we want in our wife versus who our wife is and how she's behaving? How do we handle that? So I think there's a couple of different things you do. First of all, I think it's important to, well, First of all, the, the most important thing is what you put in in that gap between what we would call the expectation and the behavior, because you're going to put one of two things in there. Either you're going to assume the worst or you're going to believe the best. Assume the worst is a fear-based response to a expectation not being met, whereas believing the best is a trust or faith-based response. So that is going to... I learned this in a video by Andy Stanley just last night. And I thought, wow, God's got good timing. How well this fits into this process. So what I realized is I was putting a lot of assuming the worst in the gap. And it's funny, 
why in the world would I expect myself to have a healthy relationship if I'm putting that assumption of the worst in between there? And it's it's another one of those things I didn't even fully realize that was occurring until I became aware of it. So now that I've become aware of it, I'm very uh, cognizant of a, of if if I experience a behavior from her that I wasn't expecting. Okay, what am I going to do with it? Am I going to think the worst of her, or am I going to think the best of her? The other thing I think is important with that, though, is even asking yourself, why did I have the ex- expectation to begin with? I think this even ties back into that whole should concept that we talked about, that I think based upon our parents, based upon Hollywood, based upon everything we've been exposed to, we create this certain idea of what life is going to look like. And then when it doesn't match up, we're like, well, wait a minute, it's supposed to be this and it's this. And so then I think we get frustrated, irritated. Um, sad, you know, creates all kinds of chaos. The other thing that ties in that as well is many times that expectation is for our benefit, not their benefit. So I expect you to act in a certain way. So I feel good about myself. Not I expect you to act in a certain way because it's the best version of you. Gotcha. So So, when those kind of fears are coming up, Mm-hmm. And it could be your spouse, could be a coworker, could be a friend. You know, there's right. there's a gap in right. all of those sectors, right? Right. Does it often tie back to something that we've experienced before or like a shortfall that we feel about ourselves? Do you yeah. see that kind of expectation coming from within that's reflected out? Yeah. I I think here's one of the biggest flaws in relationship. And this is one of the biggest flaws I see in movies, TV, and all that stuff is we expect that somebody else is going to make us feel a certain way. And the truth is those always come from within yourself. You may enjoy spending time with somebody. You may enjoy doing activities together. That doesn't make you feel that way. You're still choosing how to feel in a certain circumstance. So I think we live our life going, I don't feel good about me. I'm not good enough. Something's wrong with me, like we talked about last time. And if I find the right person, they'll make all that go away. It doesn't work that way. And I think that's where later on in relationships, you have this frustration because you're supposed to make me feel good and you don't make me feel good. And so you're the problem. No. Never the problem, Craig. Never. Right. Well, and then it, what's funny is take that concept now, because <clears throat> what I realized as I became aware of this last night, I'm going, that's how I've treated myself the whole time. I had a certain expectation of myself. The behavior didn't match up. And I assumed the worst about myself. Make sense? Yeah, absolutely. So if I start, you know, it gets back to that whole starting concept we talked about. If you've ever gotten mad at yourself and yelled at yourself, that's exactly what's happening. There's a gap and you're assuming the worst about yourself because you expect something, you didn't live up to it, and now you assume the worst about yourself. Instead of giving yourself grace and mercy, beat yourself up. Yeah. Now, one final thought with this concept of expectation. I was listening to a guy, I think it's Ashok Gupta or something. 
Hmm. And he said, there's a happiness quotient, which is desires fulfilled divided by the number of desires. Think about that for a second. So let's say you have 100 desires and 50 of them are fulfilled. You have a 50% happiness quotient. Hmm. Make sense? Yeah. Now, you want to know how to fix the problem? I'm sitting here going, okay, but if zero expectations. Okay. So let's back up and talk on that for a second because (laughs) if I have zero expectations or zero desires, then those desires can't be fulfilled. They can't also not be fulfilled. But how does it make me happy if they can't be, if there's nothing existing to be fulfilled? Because here's the point is we think the thing makes us happy. If I get the right car, I feel we do this all the time. I get a new new t-shirt or a new shirt or a new golf club or a new something. And we feel great for about a day, 10 days, whatever. Right. Yep. And then what we do is we're going, okay, I'm looking for the next thing. The happiness did not come in the thing. The happiness is, with, is within yourself. And this even ties back into one concept I wanted to kind of touch back on from the previous episode also, is we talked about the soul, you know, mm-hmm. at a soul level having an issue. My own personal philosophy or concept is our soul is perfect. It's whole. It's complete. The problem is we bury it in all this garbage. And that's where this deep junk is. If we get that out of the way, I think our truest essence is peace, joy, and love. We don't have to become it. We just have to get all the junk out of the way. Makes sense. So one thing like in those relationships is oftentimes, you know, when, when I say something, it's not heard how I intended it. Right. Yeah. When I say something and if it's not heard the way I meant it to be, the reaction from other people you know, my wife, friends, coworkers can, you know, go off the rails and start to escalate. How do I not take things personally? So like when you've said stuff and it's, you know, had that adverse reaction, somebody like Mm -hmm. starts to, to get agitated. How are you not taking how they're responding and maybe what they say, you know, personally as a reflection of you? Uh, partly because we're all responsible for our own actions. So one of the things I think I go from the get-go is <laughs> my wife grew up in a household where there was uh, loud voices, we'll put it that way. Yeah. And so she learned the same habit. And that used to kind of bother me. And I've learned to... If she gets mad, she's mad. Okay. That's unless I intentionally said something to make her mad, which I think we know within ourselves <laughs> when we do that. I've never done that, Craig. I, yeah, I know. We don't know how to hit buttons at all. <laughs> nope. Nope. Not at all. Nope. Nope. <laughs> Ignore the keypad in front of me. <laughs> okay. Well, this is it's funny because this is going to kind of tie back into it too. I came to realize that's her issue. Now, if I've said something intentionally to irritate her, then that's 
I'm a participant there. If she misunderstood, I think what I've learned to do is not take responsibility for other people's responses. If they're choosing an unhealthy response, and I have not intentionally sought to create that, that's ultimately their issue. And I can't fix that. So if my wife gets mad because of something she misinterpreted that I said, then I think it's her responsibility to say, okay, that really bothered me or that irritated me or whatever. It isn't that I don't care. It isn't that I don't want to help clarify. And, and there are times where I'm like, okay, I don't think you understood what I was meaning to say there. So it isn't that I always do that. I think for me, I always, I would take it personal like I did something wrong. And I'll, I'll ask that check with myself and go, okay, what did I say? Did I say that in a healthy way? Did I say that in a, um, a way that should cause, and I should, I don't like, there goes that word, in a way that would intentionally trigger another person. And if I haven't, then I'm like, okay, I'm going to leave that in your ball, in your court. Because I have not set out to irritate you. You're irritated because of something you're experiencing within yourself. And if you want to talk about it, I'll talk about it. If you don't, then that's for you to work through. So I think that's where that helps me not take it personal. I'm like, you're having a reaction because this ties back to the same primary concept is she's she or whoever it is, is feeling something within themselves that they don't like about themselves. What I said was a trigger and they chose to take it as a um, attack or uh, indication or validation that something's wrong with them. They're not good enough. That's not my point. And this will totally surprise you. Kathy is much better at like when she sees me doing, we talked about this last time, there is no countdown. Like when I, when I escalate, you know, um, granted we're not having any, as many launch sequences as we used to, but when they do still happen and we're having a conversation, she will stop and go, what have, what have you heard me say? And I'll repeat it back. And she's like, no, that's not what I meant. Now right. the challenge then becomes for me to like stop and release it because I still, there's that habit, man, where I want to hold on to it. I feel like you wronged me and I want to be mad when the case is she didn't wrong me. She didn't intend to, I received right. it in the wrong manner, you know, tone, right. In, right. you know, context, whatever. And so I'm still mad about something that wasn't actually uh, meant to occur. <laughs> so it's like, so, she's so much better at it. Here's another part to that too, is part of what helps me is I've learned not to take what others say personally from this perspective. I heard a phrase that poor behavior is an unskilled expression of an unmet need. What's so if again? somebody comes say that again, poor behavior is an unskilled expression of an unmet need. You got to unpack that, man. That's okay. a whole lot. That's a tongue twister. Right. So let's say my wife comes at me and she's mad. She mm-hmm. is hot. And she's chewing my case. Okay. Is that healthy behavior or is it unhealthy behavior? Okay. 
she's acting out in anger because she, which is not the most ideal or optimal manner to express ourselves because of something that she was unmet for her, an expectation that was unmet for her. So instead of going, you know, I was hoping for this or I wanted this and this is what I got and this is how I feel. She's just blowing up at me. Now, I've done the same thing. And what I've learned to do is go, okay, if you're coming at me in an unhealthy manner, that's not coming from a healthy place within yourself. So you can almost see it from a compassionate place of, oh, you're doing this not personally. It's not me that's the issue. Because what they're really saying, and this ties back to that same concept of going, what is it you're really saying here? Because so many times what we say really is not the words that express what we're really experiencing. Does that make sense? Yeah, it and, does. I was it, just like, wow, that was a lot, Craig. <laughs> well, and it also ties back into this whole gap concept because yes. when you have this gap and you assume the worst, you're arguing that you're right. It's about you being right. It's not about healthy relationship. It's about I'm right. You're wrong. This is how we're going to deal with it. So and when I go ahead, I'm sorry. I was going to say, when I flip that, it isn't about me being right or wrong. It's about me listening and understanding what are you seeking to um, convey to me or communicate to me. I'm looking to hear beyond the words to what's really being said. I'm tying in the facial expression, the tone, the whatever else. And and it's it's not about me. It's about them. So there's almost two levels of expectations then mm-hmm. there's right. my expectation of how they're going to respond to me, like what their intention right. is towards me. Right. And then my expectation of how <laughs> they're going to be, who they're, who they're going to be right in right. that relationship. Right. Um, right. So, you know, having an adoring, loving wife and it's like, well, you're, having an off day and this doesn't meet my expectation there's that gap there and then the reason why you're being this way that you are you're doing it in spite of me or hey you're just having a bad day right i can show some grace because guess what i had a bad day you know yesterday last week whatever and you were very supportive and so there's there's two expectations there right right well there's even probably even a third expectation we expect them to think in the way we think because well, we're the ex- correct thing to do. I mean, let's just exactly. Honest. I mean, come on. Cause the way I think is the right way to think. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Which is funny. Cause I heard it. I heard another concept. The problem in communication is you have this whole story in your head. It's almost like a movie that is there and you're you're giving them these words it's like you give the script and you expect them to understand the whole movie it doesn't work that way they may have the words they don't have the nuances they don't have the color they don't have the editing that you have all this stuff that you can't communicate across and so i'm like this this is where i'm also if i can learn to understand the world from my wife's perspective i can start to communicate from in her language well, and the other part of that, um, this, this, 
<laughs> when you're talking about, you know, like this movie and everything. Right. Um, how do you, uh, when you're becoming self-aware and you're mm-hmm. healing, right? Right. Not everybody's going to be supportive of you. I mean, Correct. newsflash, <laughs> you know, and because like Thanksgiving, right? Or 4th of July, whatever, right. Easter, we got it coming up. Right. We go to Easter dinner. Our family is expecting us to be a certain way to think and say and act a certain way. Right. When we start changing that through like our own self-awareness and our behavior, thought patterns, right. um, there can be pushback and there can be yeah. agitation from those people because well, we're not like- playing in that role. Right. That's right. That's right. And like we talked about, uh, you, I would actually expect it because one of the functions of the mind is to stay with the familiar because the familiar is safe. And if you start changing, it's, it's, it's the unknown and their brain goes, this is unfamiliar. I don't know how to deal with this. Let's go back to where we were. So if I'm going to Easter dinner, And I've been working on my self-awareness, you know, I'm growing me and now I know that I can expect, you know, pretty confidently expect some agitation or pushback. Right. How do I stay strong and give them grace in that process and not go in with like anxiety of, oh, oh my gosh, I don't want to go to this but still go in, Hey, yeah, I'm happy to be here. And, you know, uh, almost just like we talked about the, the expectation Mm -hmm. out of why our, our spouse or other people are doing stuff. How can we set ourselves in a healthy place and go, it's not out of malice, but it's, you know, it's well-intended. It's just not fully understood. How can we go into that situation? I think this is where we could use our feelings or emotions as our guide that you're fe- if you start to feel anxious or you start to feel sad or you start to feel angry, we've got off track of who it is we want to be. We, if you find yourself starting to behave in a manner that you don't want, I'm like, okay, I've allowed this relationship to push me back into an old pattern. And in, in fact, let's take this example. If you tended to be a yeller in family scenarios and all of a sudden you start to change, initially they'll, you could almost find them pushing at you to try to get that button because they don't trust this new behavior. And so they're going to push it and go, yeah, is this genuine or not? They're going to almost, because they know how to deal with you as a yeller. They may not like it, may not want it. They know what to do with it. You become a calm, peaceful guy. It's like, wait a minute. We don't like this. This is uncomfortable. When's the shoe going to fall thing? And so they'll almost push it to get back to the familiar. Go, okay, now I know what to do with this. Hi, Coach Mike here. Hey, thanks so much for listening to the Living Fearless Today podcast. Man, if you're struggling with your worth, feeling you're not enough and playing small, honestly, this isn't your lot in life. There is more available to you beyond this podcast to help you uncover your worth, feel respected, be confident, and play bigger in all areas of your life. Grab a time at highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call 
to set up a complimentary session on where you're at today, who you want to be, and how you can live the life you've been desiring. Again, head on over to highcoachmike.com forward slash book a call and take that first step towards your life transformation. Yeah, I can attest to that. I, yeah, dude, I remember just as I was starting on this whole journey, you know, Mm -hmm. um, my mother wanted me to do something and Mm -hmm. she started pushing on, you know, like, Oh, you're, you're not who you you're acting to be and trying to push all those buttons on me. Right. And when that didn't happen, then she actually wrote a letter to the pastor of the church where I had started going, trying to get somebody else to push my button because I wasn't (laughs) responding to her buttons. Right. It's like, yeah, when, when you start to change, some people will, others will be supportive. I mean, don't right. get me wrong. It's not the whole world is out for you, but right. some people will be upended by, you know, the uncomfortability of your change. So yeah. Like, <laughs> there, there's also the aspect of misery loves company that if they're struggling within themselves and you start to get it together for lack of a better term, there's going to be a jealousy to a degree too of going, uh, I don't want to get left behind here. So I'm going to pull you back down into my state. Okay. Now I'm not alone in my misery. Yeah. That totally makes sense. Mm-hmm. Probably crazy, a, isn't it? Yeah. Way more than I would like to say that, you know, Hey, I read that in a book and that's great, but no, <laughs> firsthand experience, man. I get it. Right. Um, so we've talked about this before. I don't know that we have talked about it on here is like the parent, um, mediator child, as far as like our mindset, um, can you talk on that and, you know, share like what it is? Because I mean, like most of the time when we hear mindset, right. I don't hear this as like something that's described or, or even brought up. So. Right. So this is kind of how I use this process in my office. We talked about last time, what you think, what you feel, what you believe, your head, your heart, your gut. So as I was kind of starting to to work through this, um, I do some kinesiology testing or muscle testing in my office. And I I don't remember exactly how I came across this. I I was doing something and I was muscle set muscle testing somebody one time. And I said, okay, say my name is and whatever their name was. And they stayed strong. And then I said, okay, now say I am and your name. And they went weak. And I'm like, well, that's interesting. Like, how was that? Because you would think my name and I am are the same thing. And so this kind of led me into, okay, I'm going to test. I am good. I am great. I am whole, which I think hit or for me hits the, the head, the heart, the gut. And as I was going through this process, I'm going, okay, in my original analogy, I love to ask this question. If you've ever gotten mad at yourself and found yourself yelling at yourself, which one are you? And it's, I love the look on people's face. They're like, huh, I never thought about that. Or they'll say both or, you know, like, well, and, and what's crazy is, you'll relate to both in a different way. You'll relate to the one yelling from, yeah, they're right, from more of a logical perspective, and you'll relate to the one being yelled at from more of an emotional perspective. 
And so as I'm developing this whole process, and in that too, I'm going, okay, there's also a, another third character in this story that's kind of, who do I go with? Do I go with the logic or do I go with the emotion? And that's where I kind of came up with this idea of mediator of how do I, the problem is what you think and what you feel are not in alignment or not in tune. And so as I'm kind of developing this and getting this understanding, I'm like, okay, this makes sense. Many people have heard the concept of my inner child. And I'm like, if you think about when you're being yelled at and where you actually feel the feeling when you're being yelled at, you feel this thing down in your gut of like, oh, I'm not good enough. I'm not worthy, all this type of stuff, like a little child that cowers to a parent scolding them. And I'm like, that's what's going on here. My parent in my head is scolding the child in my gut. And my heart is going, well, which way do I go with these two? Do I, do I agree with the parent or do I agree with the child? And so as I've developed this, and, and we talked off <laughs> beforehand how complicated this gets, and we won't dive in that deep, but it's if you want to get really crazy, the parent, the child, and the mediator all have a parent and a child and a mediator. <laughs> so you've got nine I don't know. characters. Yeah, and I don't know if it goes any lay layers beyond that. I'm not gonna we're not gonna worry about that right now. But it just what it did is it really helped gave a picture representation to what's going on. And I think it's easier for people to grab hold of going, ah, oh, that makes sense. Because the parent tends to be the one that sets the standard, that makes the rules. And that's what our logic brain tends to do. Once it's accepted something as a truism then that becomes the standard. And that's even where this whole should concept comes into play too, is going, if you're saying should, that's a standard that you've accepted that you don't really fully agree with, or at least not every part of you agrees with. And so the other part is with the child, you know, the child is very fear-based. And whereas the parent is more guilt-based or more driven-based, and then the meteor goes, I don't know what to feel. Do I feel sad? Do I feel mad? Do I feel, you know, anxious? So these are the three characters of my story. So what it also does is help me realize where the main issues are. And what's really cool is I can go, okay, when we're at our very best, and we talked about this, you know that you know that you know, the parent and the mediator and the child are all in agreement. They're all moving the same direction, doing the same thing in unison, and they have each have a unique thing to contribute to the whole. <clears throat> the child tends to be the energy. I mean, think about a child. A child has boundless energy. How much of us wish we could have the energy of a child? The mediator is the amplifier. It's the one that feels all the feelings. It's all that ooey gooey stuff. And the parent is the guide that directs it to going, what's the best use of this energy and emotion uh, to benefit other people? It's more of the mature idea. And so as I go through what I do in my office, I can find out, okay, where is the disconnect between either the mediator and the child or the child and the parent or the parent and the mediator. And it's, it's really neat to do that. Cause I, what's interesting is I can go, I can have you say, I am good. I am great. I am whole. And I do this both left and right. Cause like we talked about that, you have left brain, right brain, which is both logical and emotional. And you can stay strong on all those. And then if I change it to, Mike is good or Mike is great, Mike is whole, you may not have the same strength because it's a different issue in a different part of our being, either in how we emote, how what we believe, or what we think. 
And so this helps me get into, okay, where's the flawed or faulty programming that I can help kind of pull it apart. And it's, it's so amazing to me if you can activate the right pathway, you get at stuff that you didn't even realize was there. I've, I've been doing, I do this in my own personal meditation time. And I was going through these different nuances and I hit this one also, all these memories came flooding back and I'm like, wow, that's why. And it was stuck in this specific aspect of this specific character. And if I don't get specific to that, I may feel off and I don't know why. And so that's, this is what I use in my office to help people get at and clear out old blocks or flawed belief patterns. Yeah. Well, I, I will say like, we have just started down this path. Mm -hmm. The first time you were like, you know, Mike is, I am right. Right. There was discrepancy. And I was like, where did this come from? Because I know how much I've grown from where I was to where I am. Right. And I know there's still more to go. Right. Um, You know, like you talked about the, the soul having, like a crust around it. Yes. Dude, mine was like, hey, look, it's like a, a jawbreaker. <laughs> right. Know? There there was no owl to cut through the, you know, all the layers. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I think part of that it's even a protective mechanism. We're actually trying to protect our soul. Yeah. That we put on all this crust to go, okay, I gotta hide it deep down inside because it's just getting traumatized all the time. And so w- one of the things we talked about too is I think when people talk about mindset, it's the culmination of all three of these things. It's the parent, the child, and the mediator together that that is our mindset. It's not one of them that is, it's all of them together that is. This is how I think each of us manifest a little bit different, unique mindset. Because our traumas are in different areas or different places. So I'm very fortunate in the fact that I can come into the office and go through this process with you. Yes. You talked about meditating on it and yes. stuff coming up. Can you, let's say I don't, I don't have you as that resource. Yes. Yes. So what would it look like for me to go through that meditation to figure out this stuff? So this ties into that concept of awareness. So if I have you just right now, think Mike is good. What do you think? What do you feel? Do you feel any resistance to that statement? As far as like, am I going, hey, I'm unworthy. No, I'm not. You don't really know me. Those kind of statements. Yeah, because you'll you will. If you pay attention to yourself, you're going to feel either. Yeah, I, I agree with that statement or no, that doesn't sit well with me. You either resonate with it or you don't resonate with it. And so if you will learn to do this, you can start doing these statements with yourself, this gets even weirder. I I think about the statement on my right side as opposed to my left side because the right side of my body goes with my left brain, which is more of my analytical, logical brain, whereas opposed to the left side goes along with my right brain, which is more of my artistic, emotional, creative brain. Because then I can divide it down even further because you may logically be fine and emotionally not be fine. And so it's really helping to get to the very like that. Yeah. Anybody like that. (laughs) It's really getting at to what is the specific issue? Because, and this ties to the whole concept. You can think one thing, feel another thing and believe a third thing. Well, and so if we don't get it 
in, in our yeah, conversation, but, you've seen it. I mean, right. Like it's, yeah. it's, it's not like a surprise where it's like, yep, my logic was my protection. Right. And, you know, just built up that, that barrier around right. the emotions, but the emotions were still being impacted. It was right. just logically negating the emotions or pushing them down. Like what you're talking about, the two of them can be out of sync. So, well, and here, I think, I don't know if we talked about this or not. One of my favorite phrases, it comes from the Bible verse, as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. I like to say it this way, what you think and feel becomes real. So if I think one thing and I don't feel it, it doesn't seem real. It makes sense. It it just doesn't feel solid. It doesn't feel, it doesn't have any power. And so it's when these are in unison. That's why I want these in unison with each other. So that it, that's where, to me, one of the big things I want is authenticity. It's these three being in unison. Because if they're not in unison, this is where that concept of imposter syndrome comes into play. Um, I, I thought about this. Take this back to the parent-mediator child concept. The imposter syndrome comes from the parent. The parent is wanting to put on who they really want to be. They don't have the feeling behind it, so it doesn't feel authentic. It feels like you're you're being an imposter. There's also a concept of an inner saboteur. So this tends to be the child. I'm not good enough, so I've got to destroy this to validate or to line up with or to connect with what I really believe about myself. And now you have both of those things going on. No wonder we're under stress. Just a slight bit. Yeah, So just a slight. So... I sit down to meditate Mm -hmm. and I've got the part of, I am whatever. And then Mike is, or, you know, fill in your name. Right. So those are two sides of, you know, like a a graph, so to speak. And then you're, what are the other characteristics that you're filling in? Good, great. Yeah. So let me, so I start with the three things, good, great, whole, because that's head, heart, gut. Good relates to peace, peace of mind. Great relates to heart, joy of heart. And whole relates to gut, which is whole of soul, for lack of a better term. Okay. Now, in my office, you could do this at home too. There are seven other phrases that I tie with. Two with the good, two with the great, and two with the whole. And I start with I am, because that's the mediator. That's where you, this is where awareness starts with. Because when we did that thing in the office where, uh, Mike is, my name is Mike, you're fine, and I am, this, it starts to bring an awareness to you there, because it's, it's always the feelings that it's, the feelings are the subconscious, it's like, I feel something, I don't know exactly what it is, I feel off, well, that's where I, we tend to um, relate to um, what we feel, think about a football game, you identify with your feelings, so that's where I can start to get an awareness. So if it's a, I am good and I, I feel resistant to it, then it's either um, love or forgiveness is the two that I go. And I, and what I do is I split, I love myself, I love Mike, or I love Craig, you know, whatever the name is. And then I go, I forgive myself, I forgive Craig, okay? When we get into great, it's acceptance and believe in. When we get down into um, wholeness, it's, like it's i like myself i like mike <laughs> that sounds like a commercial 
um, trust and value. Now, there's some other nuances that I'll tie in that gets really advanced. You know, um, my goal eventually is to have this into a workbook type fashion that people can get. Um, if anybody is interested and they want to ask me what those questions are, I'm more than happy. All I have to do is just email me. I'll give them those questions so they can work on that meditation part themselves. But yeah, that's if you can't get somewhere, just spend some time listening to yourself. The problem is we stop. We don't listen to ourselves. We're we're so busy trying to make the pain that we feel go away that we don't stop and just listen. And if you'll actually just listen to yourself, your body will tell you because you know when you resonate with something or don't resonate with something. If you resonate, then it it's it's in agreement. If you don't resonate, there's disagreement there. And that's then where I go, okay, if I don't resonate with I love myself, why? What's the justification? For the resistance against there and this a lot of times will start to bring memories or or bring concepts or flawed belief systems up to the surface and then i can start to address them so how as you're going through those questions like we've talked about the challenge with money right and right um, feeling of like worth how right. do those then come to the surface through asking those questions you know about yourself and about uh you know, your name versus I am and, right. you know, Mike. This is where you can all, you could tie back in that concept of, okay, what am I feeling? I feel resistance to it. Is it a, an angry resistance, a sad resistance, an anxious resistance? And then what, sometimes here's what I love of the brain is if you ask it a question and you don't get an immediate answer, it's going to search and search and search till you find the answer. It's kind of like, what was that person's name? And five days later you go, that's what it was because your brain is still working in the subconscious. So sometimes you just have to leave the question with the brain and, and it comes up later. Sometimes it's just immediate. I'm going, I feel this because of this and this and this, because you're, you're asking the brain for the answer. You're searching all the files and go, where is this coming from? Cause it doesn't come out of nowhere. If there's something it's based on. And if we can get at what it's based on, then we get back to the concept we talked about last time is you are you are allowing a situation to say something about you that isn't true. Just because you can't pay your bill doesn't mean you're poor. It just means you can't pay your bill on time. Same concept. And the, the challenge is a lot of these occurred when we were younger, when our frontal cortex isn't fully developed. So we can't reason our way through it as much. And we just feel an emotion. We're like, oh, I don't like that emotion. I'm going to shut this all down. Yeah. The other thing is like those experiences coming back to the surface and working through them. Right. I mean, those experiences are going, going to subconsciously like guide our decisions, but when they come up, then we have a chance to go, Oh, Hey, no, that, that really wasn't what it, you know, was happening. And I should right. tie these things together. So there's a lot of self-discovery and right. just processing that goes into it. Um, the really cool thing that uh, this is where what I have found, it goes back to what we talked about last time is when you uncover that, sometimes all you have to do is just allow yourself to feel the feeling. In other words, you couldn't, you had to pay your bill late and you felt poor. Okay. Feel poor. What does it feel like? Okay. It's, it's okay. It's just a feeling that passes. It doesn't mean it's 
just because you feel something doesn't make it so. It just means you feel it. And if you can learn to not let the feelings dictate your response, now you're honest with yourself and you're choosing you're able to actually manifest the person you want to be. So now it's no longer an imposter syndrome. It's, I don't fully feel like it. And this is who I want to become. I'm moving towards that. I don't have this anchor back there that argues with me that goes, no, you're not that guy. It goes, oh, okay. You just didn't feel like it in that situation. Yeah, we've just become accustomed to 50 different anchors trailing behind us. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's no wonder we're dragging as we get older, huh? Right. Or I don't know. Are you, is that how you're feeling there, Craig? <laughs> Sometimes yes. Yeah. And no. it's not what I want to feel. So right. <laughs> and I'm working on it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So well, very cool. Oh man, that that is a lot to digest and process through. And the thing I would say, like having gone through this. You know, just in the beginning phases of it is give yourself grace, be patient and rest because man, it like those emotions have been repressed or forgotten for so long and now you're working through them. That takes energy. Is there anything else that like we should do as we're, you know, going through those steps? Is there anything else that's like, you know, guidance or best practices in addition so, to those three? Yeah. So the gap concept, I, I, I think that's such a huge thing. There was a book I was reading that talked about so many of us spend so much time trying to be better. And if you just focus on being your best, better it means I'm never good enough. I always got to try to keep getting better and better and better and better and better and better. And what he said is just seek to be your best. That's it. And I'm like, it's a simple shift in, in your thinking, and it makes all the difference in the world. Because if I seek to be my best, then I believe I can be my best. If I seek to be better, that means I'm never good enough. So the other thing that ties with that, and we won't we won't dive into this, but it in my clinic, you know, we deal with both the psychologic and the physiologic. Like we talked about on our podcast, we talk about Lyme disease and parasites and mold and all types of stuff. It's important to address your physiologic issues as well, because these things will, can amplify, they can, um, I think amplify is the biggest thing I think they do. In my own personal philosophy, the issue still lies within us and in our mindset. When it becomes more physiologic, it makes it even bigger and harder to deal with. Things like parasites and mold and and bacteria, they can literally manipulate your thinking and feeling, and it makes it even harder to deal this deal with this work if you've got this major physiologic issues. And so, it's important to address those two to deal with your uh, physiologic health along with your psychological health. Yeah, it's almost so, like when you have a uh, uh, what do you call it? like a, a sore tooth right? I, for, I know for myself personally and many others that I've talked to, like when you're in pain, mm-hmm. you, your tolerance just goes yes. so low uh, right. that it's like you're no, no pun intended, but you're like a raw nerve. And right. so you get set off easier and there's less patience and 
Right. Um, it just drains your energy too. Well, the other thing, the cool thing you can tie in with it too is traditional Chinese medicine talks about emotions that relate to organs and muscles and all that stuff. You can actually, if you'll learn to listen to your body, your body's telling you a story. It's telling you what your mindset is. I think we, like I said, we manifest a mindset. I'll give you a, a real simple example. To me, if you have digestive issues, that's a processing issue. You're having a hard time processing food. Then you will tend to have difficulties processing thoughts and emotions. I always look at if you're having a dysfunction area, that's metaphoric for something mindset-wise. What is that metaphoric related to? Your immune system is another quick example too. Uh, histamine issues and overreactive immune system, you're probably overreactive in your relationships. A weakened immune system where you get sick all the time, you probably let people walk all over you. So you see how these interplay with each other. You can use that as well. Our body's trying to tell us if we'll just listen, almost like, you know, we can quiet our drive for thirst or the desire for water right, right? and so right. We're, we're dehydrated but we've ignored it so long we don't right. hear it same kind of thing right it's it's the same it's the we're we're telling a story with our life and if you don't like the story let's start telling a different story because you're the author you're the creator of your story so well my friend I think we'll wrap it up there because yeah. uh, we wouldn't go another hour or two if we kept no, talking. Not right? at all. Like we've never done that in your office. Exactly. <laughs> it's like, exactly. oh, they're shutting the lights off on us. This is your yeah. office. What's going on here? <laughs> exactly. Uh, Craig. Well, I appreciate the time uh, to be able to discuss it. and hope it's helpful for anybody that listens. Absolutely. And if you wouldn't mind, um, would you uh, share like how, how guys can get in touch with you outside of the podcast here? Right. Um, so again, it's, you can, you can find me at uh, docerlifecenter.com. Uh, my email through the office is drcraig at docerlifecenter.com. We talked about last time too, that I'm working towards getting on all social medias at Dr. Craig Farney. And then uh, back to that idea, if anybody wants to know those phrases, I'm more willing to share. Uh, just send me an email at drfarney at gmail.com. I'd be more than happy to, to share that with anybody. And since Docere isn't something simple like Mike, can you spell it out just so we know how to look it up? Yes, it's D-O-C-E-R-E. And then life is L-I-F-E and center is. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go ahead and spell the last one out. Center is C-E-N-T-E-R. Because when I had a previous clinic, we, we were going to be fancy. And we went C-E-N-T-R-E. We're center. <laughs> yeah, that will mess people up. Yeah. It is an accurate spelling, but it, yeah, yes. it, it's yeah. not what we're expecting in the U.S. So, yeah, um, exactly. Craig, thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. I appreciate you, too. Thanks so much, my friend, for joining me on another episode. If you found the information within the show helpful, please leave a review on the platform you're listening to. It helps raise the show's visibility so other men can join us in Breaking Free. See you on the next episode and remember to continue putting yourself out there. Have a great one.